Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. This week, we are going to talk about uh, a big, big concept in, uh, in theology, okay? We, we talked about poverty last week and our responsibility to the poor. We talked about worship the week before. And the question this week, one of, we were answering two of the questions that were submitted, but the first question was, does our free will change our time of death? Does our free will change our time of death? So, uh, before we get into this like big, big question that this leads us naturally into, I want us to look um, real quick at the creation story. So, Adam and Eve are in the garden. They are hanging out, and God tells them, you can eat from any tree that you want, anyone at all, except for one, which was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it, and it says, it quotes God as saying, if you eat from it, you will surely die. Then we see that Adam and Eve eat the, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they bring sin into the world because they've done what God told them not to, and then God responds with consequences. And in verse 19 of chapter 3 of Genesis, it says, By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So the consequence was death, as, Jesus, or as God told them already. Now, I don't know about you, but there's, when you read it, there's no implication that death is going to come to them without the sin of eating from the, knowledge of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there's no implication that they would ever die if they do not commit that sin. And so we believe, I believe, that their choice in that moment, both Adam and Eve's choice, because it was a two-person decision to eat the apple, or eat the fruit, sorry, it doesn't say apple. I don't want to put any false information out there. It just says fruit. So they both chose to do it, and so therefore they went from not never dying at all to dying. So I would say that their choice affects their time of death. Their decision to sin affects when they would actually die because initially the, the, the uh, outcome was set as not dying, which brings us to the big question that's associated with this. Was it free will that got them there or were they predestined by God to sin and go into this moment? So there's this big argument in, in theology between what is known as Calvinism and Arminianism. How many of you have heard of these? Yeah? Hey, good, good, awesome. So, so I, you know, you never know on that. Like, it's just people with, you know, that work in universities arguing about this stuff, right? Like, they just come up with stuff and they argue about it. But it's actually essential to how we understand our path to salvation. It's the background behind how we arrive at salvation. So it's the how. Now, here is the big difference, okay? The big difference, and there's differences across the board. There's, there's lots of little things. There's like five-point Calvinism, and there's like 
Arminianism, but it goes all the way to one extreme or whatever. So there's, there's all this stuff. But we predominantly are going to deal with the issue of salvation as in accordance to free will versus predestination. Okay, so here's what Calvinism believes. In broad brushstrokes, I'm not going to have every single detail and every single variation, okay? This is broad brushstrokes. Calvinism basically believes that everything is predestined by God to happen. So therefore, every action is caused by God's decision. So whether you come to faith in God or not is all up to God and not up to your decision making. You don't have free will in arriving there. Arminianism, on the other hand, believes that God has come into the world through Christ like we see, and he has brought his grace. And we can choose either to accept his grace or reject his grace. It is our decision whether salvation comes, but salvation is readily available. So the idea is basically either God decides your salvation or you decide your salvation. That's the main argument we want to look at here. Now, there are negatives. There are negatives to both. So I want to go into this. I want to go into this just a little bit. I know this is really like, we're going to be a little academic this morning, and that's okay. It's all right. Um, so here, here's some negatives. And just so you know, um, our view in the assemblies of God is we are modified Arminians, okay? So we're not true all the way to the edge Arminian, but we definitely lean that direction, okay? We lean towards free will with some things that Calvinism gets right, okay? So here's, here's the negatives of Arminianism. Like, these are the extremes, okay? When we take them all the way out to the edge, these are what can happen when we take these to the extreme. So Arminianism, at the extreme, there's no assurance of salvation because one moment we do what's right and we're righteous and we accept the grace of God and the next moment we sin, we are now unsaved. Then we have to go back to God for forgiveness, we're saved again. Then we mess up and we go back to not being saved. So the extreme is there's no assurance of salvation. Whereas on the flip side, on Calvinism's side, what they believe is once you are saved, you are always saved. Now, the, the thought is that it does not matter what happens, you will always be saved. And your salvation is purely based on God, so it's not your work that gets you there, it's what they call irresistible grace. Irresistible grace is this concept that the grace is shown to you by God. God chooses to show grace to you. It's so irresistible that you must come to salvation and is through no choice of your own. And then you are saved for all time. Now we believe in a much more happy medium, okay? We're over here and we believe that we have assurance of salvation, but that we can lose salvation. That it is through, the term is apostasy, that when we choose intentionally, deliberately um, in, in, our, in our life to intentionally walk away from Christ. This is not when we sin, we are then exiled from Christ, but it's a deliberate action that chooses to say, I am no longer going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to walk away and I'm going to be my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. And on the flip side, Calvinists that are a lot more centered, um, that aren't out on the extreme, believe that once saved, always saved is true, 
But if you walk away from Jesus, that is just evidence that you never truly believed in Christ. So they're much more normal when we get a little bit closer to the center of either of these arguments on, on salvation. Now, here's the other side. At the extreme of Arminianism, God is not sovereign. That he is not in control. He does not, he does not know what is going on. Now, the extreme of Calvinism is that God predestines people to go to hell. And the unfortunate side of that side effect is that we may start to question whether God is good or not. So those are the extremes, right? Those are the far extremes. Now, we want to get a little bit closer to somewhere in the middle, okay? Now, here is the question at hand. Is it God's foreknowledge? Is that why he knows what's going to happen? Or is it that God causes everything to happen? That's why he knows what's going to happen. So here is where we're going to look, okay? So foreknowledge basically means that um, God is sovereign. God is, we understand sovereignty like he's self-governing. He is He's all on his own. He is all-powerful on his own. So the ultimate question of foreknowledge versus predestination is a question of sovereignty. So can God be sovereign and not determine your actions? That's what Calvinists struggle with. They believe that for God to be sovereign, he must determine things. We believe that God can both be sovereign and allow for free will. Okay? Now, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, or actually in, in, in John chapter 12, we see this. We see that Jesus predicts his own death. So this idea of foreknowledge is in the scriptures. Like, he knows details about his own death. He knows that Judas is going to betray him. He knows some of these things beforehand, what's going to happen. Now, we go to 1 Peter chapter 2, and this is the, or, or 1 Peter chapter 1, this is the opening. It says, this is This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, depending on which version of the, the scriptures you're reading at the time, will make you see, it'll seem like it's leaning one way or the other, whether the Calvinist view or the Arminian view. Because this one says, God knew you and he chose you, making you think this is predestined. However, if you read the ESV, it says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. It never says anything about choosing. And so we just have to be careful when we're reading these that we don't look at our specific version of the English translation and go, that is the definitive thing. We need to look back at the origin of what the scriptures are actually saying. So we need to do that study. Now, when, when we've looked at this, a lot of times in the scriptures when it says God chose someone, we see that it's choosing them for a specific ministry and not for salvation itself. Okay, when, 
he chose David to be king. He chose to work through Israel. He, they were the chosen children of God. He chooses things along the way. But it's usually for a ministry, a work. So, I want to give us a quick little illustration of foreknowledge versus predestination. So it's a visual to help you out. Now, I need four volunteers. Don't worry. All you've got to do is hold a piece of paper. Anybody want to volunteer for me? Nice. We got Jacob, Dawson, Mike, Sherry. Let's go, Sherry. Okay. Cool. All right, that's four. Can you guys come up? All right, good job. Way to be, everyone. All right. So I'll have you stand, Dawson, right in front of the sub. Mike, you're like here. Sherry, I'm going to have you like right here. And Jacob, I'm going to have you stand in front of the sub. All right. So Dawson is the beginning of time. He was there at the beginning. Mike is the prophecy in Psalms of Judas' death. Sherry is Judas' death. <laughs> Unfortunate, right? And Jacob is the end of time. So here's the deal with foreknowledge. Foreknowledge, or here, let's start with predestination, then we'll go to foreknowledge. Okay, predestination says God exists at the beginning of time. In Psalms, when this prophecy was written, is the cause of Judas's death after he betrays Jesus, okay? So the prophecy dooms Judas well before he's ever born, okay? Now, foreknowledge believes that God is present, or this is true of both of these. God is present in every moment of all time. So God is both at the beginning of time and at the end of time, and every single moment in between, at the same time. So God is omnipresent. God is omnipresent in both location and time. We believe that God is outside of time, therefore he can be present in all time. Okay, so go with me here. Foreknowledge says that God sees the decision from Judas and places the prophecy in Psalms. So he sees this, then places this. Therefore, Judas's choice is not determined by the prophecy. The prophecy is determined by Judas's choice. Does everybody get that? All right. Thank you, volunteers. You guys are awesome. Good job. A little bit of visual learning for you this morning. So that is the ultimate place where we stand as Arminians, as the Assemblies of God, we believe that God's foreknowledge allows for things that he sees so he can be all-knowing and allow for free will. He can be sovereign and allow us choice. So it brings us to this ultimate question, what does it matter? What does it matter where we fall on this scale? Because ultimately, this is all the how of salvation, not the why or action of salvation, which are far more important. So here it is. In Romans 10, it tells us, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. This action, whether caused by Christ or through the grace of Christ that we choose salvation, this is ultimately the goal. We believe that both people who believe like us in Arminianism and people who believe in Calvinism in whatever portion they do ultimately believe that the world needs to be saved through Christ. And that it is far more important this action, this action, than the how behind it. Though it is important. Though it is important. And here's the why. In John 3, 16, it says this. For, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone would believe in him, will not, or who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The desire here is that everyone would have eternal life. And then in 2 Peter 3, it says, The Lord isn't being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. God wants zero people to perish which ultimately kind of falls into the Arminian argument. But he wants zero people to perish. He wishes that all would have eternal life, that all would come to know him as their savior. And here's the deal. If we believe in free will, we believe we can actually do something about it. We believe that our offering to one day does something about it. We believe conversations we have with our friends and our family that doesn't know Jesus actually has effect on the world. That our choice to share our faith, our choice to share the gospel with the world around us actually has an effect on whether or not people find salvation or not. We believe that our free will is this beautiful gift from God that says, I can choose to go out and share the hope that I have with the world. That ultimately, this how that is behind everything that that God knew beforehand, long before, is ultimately there to give us a how but we must do the action. Ultimately, we see in Matthew, at the end of Matthew, it says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. The call on our lives is to go and do, go and tell, go and disciple. Salvation has to be an active participation from all of us. We have salvation, so therefore we should go out and share it with the world. That's the goal. Why? So that none should perish. We do what is right so that none should perish. Like both 
Peter and John have told us in the scriptures. These are big ideas, and sometimes we can get lost in big ideas, right? We can get lost in them. But here's what we need to know. Your friend's salvation is more important than this argument. Your family member's salvation is more important than this argument. Though we believe we are on one side of the argument, though we believe we're on the Arminian side, the argument is not more important than the people you love because God loves each and every one of those people. So the band's going to come up and we're going to pray. God, this morning, like the song we're about to sing says, give us your eyes to see and give us your heart to love. That we can see the moment unfold before us to share our faith with that, that family member or that coworker or that, that friend of ours, that neighbor of ours. God, that we could be ready and waiting to share our faith with the people around us. God, I pray that that verse that says that none should perish would burn within our hearts. That it's a burden we carry with us each and every day. That none should perish. That zero people should perish. Zero. That your grace is for all. We only have to step in and choose it. So here's the deal with with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. If you've not made that decision to follow Jesus with your life, to give your life to him, to declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, I think today's your day. And the beautiful thing is that we can live in a place that we're assured of our salvation. That unless we deliberately choose to walk away from God, we, we're still safe. We're still in line with him. We just humbly ask for forgiveness when we sin. We just humbly say, God, forgive me. I've messed up. Teach me to follow you again today. But if you've never made that choice, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And and everybody can pray it. Um, Just repeat it after me. Here's the prayer. God, I know I've messed up. And I know that your grace is the only way to make that right. God, I believe in you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I trust you. 
be the leader of my life. Show me where to go. Amen.